Welcome to Help Me to Understand, a podcast where guests discuss issues related to social justice, political activism, giving back, and other topics relevant today. I'm your host, Felicia Garland. I don't need to tell you that we live in an age of political and social divisions, global warming, economic inequality, and a breakdown in many of our social structures. And that was just this morning's news. Honestly, I can be overwhelmed with all the information and opinions out there. I know to make a difference in the world, I need to better understand the challenges we face. I bet you seek that knowledge too. It's my mission with this podcast to hear from thought leaders who are working every day to make a difference. Welcome to this journey of discovery and understanding. I'm so glad you're here. Let's learn together. Today, I'll be speaking with Dr. Lorraine Maida, a board-certified anti-aging functional medicine practitioner who specializes in hormonal harmonization to help her patients feel younger and healthier and live more vibrant lives. She's also the founder of Vibrance for Life and How to Live Younger, her functional medicine and lifestyle practices. She's a writer and speaker on topics of health and wellness and has been featured on ABC News, in Forbes, and in many other media outlets, where she spreads the word about living younger and healthier at any age. Please note that the information shared today is for the purpose of entertainment and is in no way meant to be a substitute for specific medical advice. Listeners are directed to speak to their personal physicians for any appropriate medical treatment. And now, Dr. Maida. So, hi, Dr. Maida. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. We have so much to talk about. Okay, let's get into it. Quickly, as a starting point, I Googled the top symptoms that postmenopausal women typically experience. And they were hardly a surprise. I think most women could probably have come up with them on their own. So we came up with eight hot flashes and night sweats, vaginal dryness and sexual discomfort, depression. Changes in sex drive, insomnia, dry skin, and of course, my two personal favorites, weight loss and or weight changes and hair loss. And I also noticed with those symptoms that I think traditionally many of them would be handled separately and individually. So for instance, depression, maybe they'd send you to a mental health professional. Dry skin and hair loss, I mean, maybe a dermatologist vaginal dryness and sexual issues, maybe to your gynecologist, who typically doesn't want to spend a lot of time on those things. Again, in my experience, or they, the worst, of course, is they would tell you, well, it's aging. Everybody does it. Suck it up, right? So I think you are here to dispel that notion that they're not related. So how are these symptoms or how can they be not in inevitable random or that nothing can be done about them? Well, first of all, a lot can be done about them. They're not random. This is what happens. And, and I hate when people say, oh, that's because you're aging. That's because you're getting old. That's because yep. your menopausal just live with it. But the good news is you don't have to live with it. And what functional medicine is all about is to get to the root cause approach. Yes. One of my approaches is to give hormone replacement therapy because people don't realize 
that you have estrogen receptors in your brain, in your eyes, in your kidneys, in your blood vessels, in your uterus, in your breast. You have in your skin, you have them in your mucous membranes, you have them everywhere. So if they're stimulated, everything works well because, you know, women also lose their memory. They lose all of these things are related to the decline in hormones. So we can do things two ways. We can give hormones or we can give what they call phytoestrogens, things that act like estrogen, but they're not estrogen. Okay. Well, we'll get into some of those. So they're not necessarily inevitable. They're all are related. As you said, in the past, I have actually mentioned hormones to, let's say, a general practitioner. And I didn't know to use the term hormone imbalance. But if you mentioned hormones a few years ago, your doctor would look at you like you had two heads. So is this a relatively new aspect? To medicine? And is that the purpose of functional medicine? Kind of what is functional medicine? And then how, when you mentioned hormones are all related, but how does functional medicine handle those? Well, functional medicine looks at a systems approach, you know, like the, the foot bone is connected to the knee bone is connected to the hip. You know, you throw one thing off, everything goes off, just like mm-hmm. all those symptoms would be handled by a different specialist. But if you come to a functional medicine doctor, the root cause of those symptoms is the decline in hormones. Okay. And uh, so you look for other things as well, but the mm-hmm. decline in hormones can be the piece of the, that ties that whole puzzle together. So how do you measure or determine does the decline different in different women to the extent of an amount or different hormones or are they pretty similar, but how do you, determine what those are? How do you diagnose that? Well, you, you first, you ask about symptoms, you draw blood, and you can also look for the FSH and LH. That's the stimulating hormones from the brain that if they're high, they're trying to beat your ovaries into making something that they can no longer make. So okay. you, there's a compilation of the symptoms, the blood tests, and the di- different types of blood tests. Okay. Then I take it those blood tests aren't something that Again, a general practitioner would routinely either suggest or authorize, but wouldn't may not even know they exist. Is that a fair assessment? A fair assessment is they don't know what to do about it, and they don't believe in hormones because of people's myth about the Women's Health Initiative study that was done in 2002, 22 years ago. We're, we can't make decisions on something that's that old. And they have these myths. And unless you really go after studying, I mean, I put in years and years of my life into studying mm-hmm. this and also hundreds of thousands of dollars. So your average Joe is not going to want to do that. Mm-hmm. And they just give you the bottom line is you're getting old, you're menopausal, what do you expect? And that's the reason why people go to somebody who specializes in this because they know the ins and outs. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember reading somewhere that the term hysterectomy, which I think was popular a number of years ago, but I think even back in Victorian times, that hysterectomy came from the idea of hysterical, that women were hysterical. So therefore, you got to remove all the female parts. That doesn't still happen, does it? 
It does still happen, unfortunately, not because they're hysterical. But the interesting thing is hormones change at different stages of life. So PMS and perimenopause and perimenopause is probably the 10 years or more before you actually menopausal. Menopausal is when you have not had a period for a year. That's the actual definition. But you can have 10 plus years of very irregular periods. And during that time, you're what they call estrogen dominant. So estrogen is a hormone of energy and growth. And if you don't have it balanced with progesterone, which is what happens in PMS and perimenopause, you do get hysterical. You know, you get excess energy manifests as anxiety, irritability, Mm -hmm. impatience, insomnia. It also causes growth, growth of the breasts, the breast, tender breasts, fluid retention, bleeding, spotting, weight gain around the breasts, the hips and the thighs. So this is what happens to women. That's why they say everything I did to lose weight doesn't work anymore. Well, yeah, your hormones changed and we can bring you in balance by bringing estrogen down Mm -hmm. or bringing progesterone up or maybe a little bit of both. Okay. Well, I do want to get to the, what I almost call it preventative premenopausal stuff. But again, with weight loss, I mean, it sounds like it's much more complicated. It's not just going into your doctor. You're 20 pounds overweight and they tell you, well, just lose, just lose 20 pounds, right? Just eat less. And so afterwards you go and have lunch, your regular lunch with your girlfriends, you know? So you're saying that weight loss or weight gain, again, is so related. It's not not necessarily inevitable or it is inevitable, but you can really do something about it. Absolutely. And then, you know, there are a lot of other hormones that go along with it. And part of aging is your hormones decline. So the stress hormone cortisol, which everybody's cortisol was up these last few years. Oh. <laughs> and I used to joke and say, are you feeling fat, flabby, flaky, foggy, fatigues, and forgetful? And people would just <laughs> giggle and raise their hand. And, you know, it hit a nerve because mm-hmm. we, women especially put the weight around the midline men too, but that a lot of that is cortisol. And when okay. your body is under distress and distress can be a hormone, another hormone imbalance, or it could be inflammation, infection, nutritional excess, nutritional deficiency. It could be chemicals or toxins in the environment. It could be emotional stress. So so distress that makes cortisol rise can be from many sources. And that's really where in functional medicine, you put all the pieces together. You know, you have your checklist of things. Do all these pieces fit? Mm -hmm. So hormone replacement or a practice around hormones could address the cortisol issue. But sometimes you hear too that if you meditate, if you try to relax, sometimes exercise helps reduce that. Are there other non, and what would they be, these sort of non-medical interventions that would, I imagine, go hand in hand with or complement whatever more, again, hormonal treatment that you would offer? It's all that you mentioned. And then one of the things I always like to bring up is sometimes people over-exercise and that's actually a stress on their body and it has the opposite effect. So exercise that's moderate, that you feel good afterward and you feel energized is good. It helps your mood. It helps with, you know, relieving stress, you know, prayer, meditation. 
I also recommend adaptogenic herbs and watching your diet, because if you have a lot of stimulants in your diet, like caffeine, alcohol, you eat a lot of inflammatory foods like saturated fats, grains, sugar, that will wreak havoc with your cortisol. And then cortisol is like a a hormone that trumps other hormones. It's going to take precedence over Mm -hmm. the other hormones. So you could either be in fight or flight, which is what cortisol will respond to. Adrenaline gets up, then cortisol goes up and you're running from the tiger or you're running from your own thoughts and worries. Mm -hmm. What's going to be sacrificed all the other hormones, because you know it's all about balance: is rest, digest, reproduce, regenerate, rejuvenate, repair. So that goes to the wayside when you're in the, this fight or flight, and it has to do with your hormonal system and your nervous system. So if you calm your nervous system down, singing, gargling, humming, meditating, hmm. prayer, yeah, that stimulates oh. your nerve. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How about beating on a drum? I, I you have could friends do that. that are drummers. That <laughs> yeah. helps relax. Yeah, that will help. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good, good to know. Well, it's nice to hear that you can ha- that there are non, let's say, um, invasive things that you can yeah. also do. That would sounds like support all of the hormone related work that yes. you would probably recommend. But I do want to go back quickly because. I want people to know that you practice traditional medicine. I mean, I'm in air quotes, traditional medicine for many years. What prompted the shift? Why did you shift? I know, as you said, you spent lots of time training, lots of effort and expense to do it. What was the impetus for it? Well, for a while, I worked in the emergency room and I, you know, saved people's lives and it was exciting and you'd fix people up, but then they'd be back in again and again. And then I thought, well, maybe this is just the emergency room. I worked in a clinic, an outpatient clinic, and I saw the same thing. And I, you know, just said, I want to educate people. I don't want to be fixing the same thing over and over again. And then an article came out in the New England Journal of Medicine in 1992, and it said one in three people were seeking alternative care and they were afraid to tell their doctor because the doctor Mm. would poo it and dismiss it and make fun of them. So I said, you know what? I don't want to be that kind of doctor. And when people came in, I listened and then I researched and I thought, Mm -hmm. there's something to this. Here's Uh a study. And then I started experimenting. You know, I found a really good supplement company and I'd say, why don't you try this? And people came back and said, oh, that was so helpful. That worked, that worked. So it gave me the incentive to look at other things and to okay. be able to recommend things based on studies, based on some of my experience. And then it, I just kept learning and building on it. And I love the results because I followed the standard of care. I was a nerd. I still am a nerd. You know, I, I will study <laughs> everything and I will check off all the boxes in the standard of care, but not everybody okay. is standard. I didn't understand why some people respond and others didn't. And through all this study, I've learned there are a lot, you know, different strokes for different folks. And Mm -hmm. there's more complexity than here's the symptoms, here's the medication. You're a bit of a disease sleuth, it sounds like. And it's cool that you were looking for underlying causes, because I think it seems that so much medicine is slap something on it. Yeah. There's a there's a pill for that, right? Take the pill, yeah. go away. 
and to know that you've got underlying things that can be addressed that really affect, I'd like to get the F list again, the uh, flabby, fatigue, forgetful, whatever. I'll have to get that from you before you go. A lot of these things that come up, and I suspect a number of your patients, probably the majority, are women. But men suffer from these as well. They may not want to admit it. They may not know. Is it that, I assume you treat men? Yes. And do they, many of them not know? Too embarrassed? I mean, what is the... Is it you mentioned you're going, you know, to yeah. a man, you're going through menopause. They it's, just, I think they want to smack you. Not as dramatic in men. And men can't, they, they're not like women. They don't express themselves the same way, but they'll go to the gym and they'll say, oh, my muscles aren't as strong or I'm, I can't bulk up the way I did. Or they would just feel this listlessness. And, you know, there, there's a term grumpy old men, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're irritable. They're gaining weight around the belly. They're getting big boobs. They're, they just don't have that motivation. They don't have the drive. They feel less than themselves. They don't feel okay. like a man. And I, I had a theory and, you know, I, it's a theory just because of, I've seen so many couples over the years where in midlife, the women get hysterical. I mean, they're getting, ah, you know, they're, yeah. they're irritable, they're anxious. And the men mm-hmm. are more depressed. They pull back more. And when I would say this to the couples, this is how you feel, the, the heads would nod. And that mm-hmm. is sort of my theory that there's there's a big hormonal shift going on in both parties. And mm-hmm. that if both took care of them, it would be better. And it usually is. Because men just don't feel like themselves. And I wonder, is that why they'll go out and get that sports car or date a younger woman or cheat on their wives? Because they need to feel manly again. And they don't. And and Mm -hmm. I can't confirm this, but it's just an observation. That is fascinating. If, yeah, and it seems so plausible that if they don't feel that manliness within themselves, that they are going to express it outwardly. Oh, and so many of the things you mentioned, they are things that actually happen. Women do get, it's not just an old wives' tale, but they do get, as you said, during menopause. Men do seem a little more docile, but as you said, the boobs and the, the belly. But you, when you're describing this, it sounds like you work with couples too. Well, sometimes, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes the men find me for their wives. And then, or sometimes the wives, you know, they'll come to me first and say, "We do you treat men? And I say, yeah. So sometimes they come in together uh-huh. because they want to understand what's happening with the other person. And sometimes one will come before the other. Okay. Yeah. Do you give them strategies in how to, if I could see a woman coming in and say, well, you know, if my husband could benefit from this, are there strategies to approach that subject. Obviously, each relationship is different and how the couple interacts with one another. But are there strategies? There is a way for a woman to approach her her man about that Well, without being critical of... Yeah, you can't. You know, you have to be very careful. And oftentimes I would wonder when a man would say, you know, he would bring the wife in and I always want to make sure they're willing, but they were. They were like, they, you know, I, and I would say that's so loving of you to have thought of her in that way. And so, you know, a lot of times what happens and I tell people you can't really force anybody or nag anybody, 
But when they see you feel better, they'll, you know, you just mentioned, I feel so much better. This doctor helped me. Maybe she can help you. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Food for thought. So you started to go bef- uh, back and I sort of cut you off, but let's talk about the preventative aspect of this, that there are things that women can do pre-menopause and maybe what the 10 years you said beforehand when they have these experiences is a lot different for are the treatments a lot different. They are a lot different, but the preventative isn't. It's a good lifestyle because if you're totally stressed out, you're eating junk food, you're not sleeping enough, you're driving yourself too hard, you're trying to be everything to everyone, that stress hormone cortisol is going to go up and it's going to drive the other hormones down faster. And that hormone cortisol breaks down muscle, breaks down bone, raises blood sugar, raises blood pressure, breaks down collagen. And stores everything as fat, and it's going to interfere with some of the other hormones. So, if you lower the cortisol, and I see this both in men and women, mm-hmm. the other hormones will bounce back for a while. Some people come to me, and it almost doesn't matter the age from a point of no return because they just let it go on too long. Others, I'll clean up their diet, I'll get them to sleeping, exercising. Maybe some people, like I said, over-exercise, so I Mm -hmm. help moderate it. And we work on all those lifestyle issues and to clear up inflammation because inflammation is a root cause of almost all illness. Once you get that into place, a lot of times people buy themselves 10, 15 years of not needing hormones or not wanting hormones and feeling really good. Well, that's (laughs) encouraging for folks. When you talk about inflammation, is that where an elimination diet is where somebody might start? And then what is an elimination diet and how does it work? What's the purpose of it? Yeah, I always start with that. And everybody does an elimination diet differently. I do it to decrease inflammation, decrease toxins, heal the gut and uncover food sensitivities because Toxins, food sensitivities, gut health all lead to, you know, if they're not right, Mm -hmm. all lead to inflammation. So what I do with my elimination diet is I give a shake that is anti-inflammatory and has things that heal the gut because most of your immune system is in the gut. And I give detoxifying herbs. And then just for two weeks, I make it short because people get scared Mm -hmm. about this, but it's pretty easy to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. For two weeks, we eliminate alcohol, artificial sweeteners, caffeine, corn, dairy, eggs, peanuts, sugar, soy, wheat, and anything with gluten. So people okay. get shocked. They say, what do I eat? I said, you eat paleo. You eat chicken, fish, lean beef, mm-hmm. vegetables, not seeds. And you just stay away from the grains. Mm-hmm. The weight comes off. The sleep gets better. The anxiety decreases. The depression decreases, the mental clarity improves, they feel lighter, clearer, more calmer, and a lot of other things, these other mm-hmm. unusual symptoms go away in, in 80% of people. 10, mm-hmm. 20%, that's not their issue, but at least we figured out, we checked off the check boxes. Right. So that's how I do the elimination diet because I want to I want to make the most out of it. And it's not just food, it's toxins and it's gut health. 
and it's also elimination. Mm-hmm. Well, having done them, and I don't do them as regularly as I should, or necessarily stay with, I mean, I know sugar and flour, wheat flour, primarily. If I stop eating those, if I take that out of my diet, many of the things you talked about, the puffiness, the skin looks better. I swear everything gets sort of lifted up. Of course, it's hard to, you know what, what causes it, but life creeps in. So this isn't a one and done. You can do them, do that diet. You don't have to also adhere to it forever. No. Right? I mean, okay. Not everybody. Now, some people with autoimmune disorders, like as somebody who has celiac, yes, mm-hmm. that's forever. Some sure. people that have autoimmune disorders, it may always be a, certain things may always be a problem. Not all 10 things, but mm-hmm. it's mainly wheat and dairy. Others get better to the point where they can add those things back in in small amounts. Okay. Because you know, one of the things I think that I know it's only two weeks, but life gets in the way or people put it off because, oh, I got a party coming up in a week and we've got this birthday thing I have to go to. And and you feel like it's difficult. You can come up with all kinds of excuses not to do it. And sure. Life is probably the biggest yeah. one. So what do you mean? Because I've heard this all the time clean foods or eating clean. And I don't really know what that means. Well, if you can't pronounce it, you shouldn't eat it. So clean food is like real food, natural food, more likely organic. And if you're talking about, um, you know, poultry or eggs or any meats, that what Mm -hmm. they've been fed, grass fed is better, that they were, it's organic, whatever they're eating is organic, that they didn't spray the grass with stuff. Because whatever mm-hmm. they eat, you eat. There's no chemicals or preservatives in the food. So that's the cleanest eating. And that your water is purified. You do the best you can because everything's mm-hmm. contaminated. I mean, even if you eat pure organic and filter your water, it's, mm-hmm. there are forever com- chemicals in the air, in the soil, in the water. It gets into the foods. We have chemicals on our clothing. And they're absorbed through the skin. We breathe things in. So what you need to do is just decrease the toxic burden. You know, you don't okay. want the cup to overflow. So you can mm-hmm. just keep, you know, I do this detox maybe two, three times a year. And okay. I do it. Sometimes I only do it for a week. Mm-hmm. That's the foods you need two weeks. It just gives your, you know, it's emptying that cup out of all those toxins. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds as, as if you don't have to be perfect. No, you can eat clean as much as you can, uh, as frequently as you can, but it's better. But you don't have to be perfect because I think sometimes we have this idea that well, I have to eliminate everything, and then it becomes yeah. impossible, and you frustrate yourself from you know the get go. Yeah, I mean, I react to dairy, but you know, I, my friend, one of my closest friends, is a chef, and she has these wonderful parties and. So I'll come home and I'll have a little congestion, but nothing serious is going to happen. And then I stay away from it for a while, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, no, I'm not perfect. I don't expect anybody to be perfect. And the only people who it's a real problem is maybe celiac or somebody that has a severe allergy. Those people, Mm -hmm. yeah, then something serious could happen, but it's not with everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, again, I'm, People tend to want to be perfect. So it's nice to know that they don't have to be. Again, anything is better. 
than nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about hormone disruptors. And you, you did talk a little bit about that, how there's so much in the environment, the pesticides, all of the stuff on our clothing. Printed receipts. I have heard that printed receipts yeah. are something to be avoided. And there are places, certainly, first off, is it true? What is it about them that's so bad? And how do you not, I can see at the gas station, you push the button, you don't want one. But most of the stores, you know, they hand it to you. And before you know it, you put your fingers all over it. So what is the problem and what's in there that we need to avoid? BPAs, they're coated, you know, they have a little sheen on them. They're coated with Uh BPAs. when you touch it, it gets absorbed through the skin. Now, okay. you're not touching them all day. You're going to get more BPAs when you have your plastic water bottle and you're sitting okay. out in the sun hiking, and that heat leaches more of the BPAs from the plastic into your water and you're drinking the water. The receipts are small bit. The skin is absorptive, but not as absorptive as you're, you're taking it directly in. Almost... A lot of my receipts now are emailed to me. Yeah, I know you. They, it is contactless payment. Every you know, so it there's been a lot of that okay. out. You know, if you're working at a register and you're tearing off the receipts all day, that's a different story than you know. You go to the grocery store once or twice a week and you touch the thing for mm-hmm. a second and you throw yeah. it away, whatever. So uh, you know we can get very picky about everything, but it's just an awareness where when you have the opportunity to cut down, you cut down. Okay. You don't want that cup to overflow with toxins. Okay, so that's why BPAs. That's why you don't want to microwave your leftovers or even keep them in a plastic container where you should be very careful what kind. The glass is probably better most of the time. Yeah, glass is ceramic. But, you know, all your takeout food comes in, even when people are staying away from plastic, the cardboard is coated with BPA. It's coated with something so the food Mm -hmm. doesn't stick. And and wrappers, you know, when you go to the deli and you get a sandwich and they wrap it in that paper, it's a little, you know, it's got a little thing. Some of them, some yeah. of the things have, you know, in the olden days, we used wax paper, you know? And so, and wax paper doesn't have it? Doesn't have BPAs, but nobody uses that anymore. Yeah. I do. I love, I kind of wondered if wax I have to double check better. that though, you know, because things uh-huh. have changed. So okay. I have to double check on that. But I do know that a lot of wrappers and takeout containers are coated with BPAs. Even some oh, of sure. are, and there's no way to get away from it completely. But mm-hmm. again, you just cut down. You want to decrease the amount of toxins going in and increase the amount of toxins going out. And that's why I do that detox a few times a year. And I'll only do it for a week most of the time. Mm-hmm. But it's a good cleanse, just like you do spring cleaning for your house and you're clearing out the clutter. You need to do that for your body, your poor liver. Mm-hmm. It's really on overdrive. (laughs) So are there, you talk about herbal supplements. Are there things that might be good on a regular basis that you wouldn't necessarily do just during a a detox? I'm trying to think of some that you see in the health food store, you know, liver detox or liver repair. Are those things legit or 
Yeah, they are. Maybe not so good. But but the problem with supplements is there's a lot of garbage out there. I've studied supplements since I was a child, and the quality differences are huge. And this is really why I always make recommendations and I study the company and I study how it's made and I look at the formulas. And you know, when you ever see proprietary blend and you you don't know exactly how much of anything is in there, you know, the red flag should go up. Because mm-hmm. then, um, I look at the FDA stuff, but I also look at Consumer Lab and some of them, they do testing and a lot of the supplements don't have what they say is in them. Mm-hmm. Okay. But milk thistle, otherwise known as Silly Marin, is a good one for the liver. Dandelion. And I remember when my mother used to go in the yard and pick dandelion. <laughs> I mean, I, they're making bitter, wine out of But it, these right? bitters are really good for bile flow, and bile is what binds toxins and helps remove them from your body. So, okay. you know, uh, they used to make cocktails with bitters, but people mm-hmm. take bitters just for digestion. And there's, there's a lot of digestive bitters out there on the market. And there are a number of these alcohol free drink mixes that have bitters in them. So, you know, if you're not going to eat dandelion or mm-hmm. bitter greens, bitters, you can take bitters and the silly marin. And um, there are other things as well. That's interesting. Who knew that um, was a Manhattan that has bitters in it or something? But we're trying to avoid the alcohol. So yeah. are there other things that in your practice that you feel we should know about that you'd like to share before we wrap up, did I miss anything that um, no, I in your practice that, or what you advise? Well, I, you know, always you want to eliminate, you want to get your bowels moving, you want to get the bile flowing. So that's the purpose for bitters and for taking your time to chew because it's mm-hmm. like a car wash. Mm-hmm. You have to make the saliva, you know, when you see the food and smell the food, you make the saliva, then you chew and you make the acid in the stomach. And then that gives a signal to the gallbladder and the pancreas to help with digestion because you can only be in fight or flight or digest, uh-huh. rest, reproduce. So taking the time to eat and allowing that process to work. And then mm-hmm. I, I also leave people with that. There are a lot of new studies about hormones. People are scared about hormones, but the latest studies show that the benefits outweigh the risks, that the risk of breast cancer was overblown. The okay. way you give the hormones, giving estrogen through the skin you don't get clots, which was one of the mm-hmm. reasons why people wouldn't take it. And I prepared something for my patients and even for doctors to, to for my patients to give to their doctors if their doctors gave them a hard time with mm-hmm. the synopsis of the studies and how and why these decisions were made. And now the North American Menopause Society came out and said, yes, we now endorse it. You know, everything has to be individualized. The benefits mm-hmm. do outweigh the risks because it decreases the risk of dementia, osteoporosis, and heart disease, all of which each and every one of them are much more prevalent than breast cancer. And that Mm -hmm. the risk of breast cancer was so overblown, it's almost a non-issue. It's the lifestyle issues that you have to take care of. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned that because that is something that I bet a lot of women and certainly doctors who aren't aware as you are of the new information, probably the first thing that they know that they fear breast cancer because of hormones. And I think if you still Google it, you get that same information. It's old stuff. It's old stuff. And they'll always say progestin or they'll call progestin, which is synthetic. 
progesterone, mm-hmm. which is not right. Progesterone is real progesterone, natural, okay. bioidentical. Progestin, if you look deeper, if it's a progestin, those are more likely to cause cancer. Okay. So even with that, you have to be, you need someone who's really up to date on the latest information and they're not doing it willy nilly. They are doing it after proper testing and analysis, which is good for, you want any doctor to do that. Well, as I said, this is wonderful, wonderful information. I know you have a great website. Is that where you would recommend listeners go to get more information, to see your videos? Absolutely. I have two websites and they're linked. Howtoliveyounger.com. It's going to be changed soon. So, and then vibranceforlife.com. So I have a lot of blogs on howtoliveyounger.com. You can also sign up for uh, 30 Days to Revive and Thrive. So you can get some more information. And I mean, I have a lot of blogs and I have free giveaways. So there's always a way to find out more information. You are very generous with your information to someone. I I do get your newsletter and your blog, and I have gone through a lot of the videos you have on your website. So just so listeners know, we will put all the links to Dr. Maida's two websites. I didn't catch that before. And your social media, because they are, as I said, great sources of information. So thank you so much, Dr. Mader, for joining me today and for really sharing so much great information. Thank you for inviting me. And I hope somebody gets something out of it. Oh, most definitely they will. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Help Me to Understand. If you like what you've heard, please go to our website, helpme2understand.com to listen to more great episodes. Or better yet, Subscribe to receive new episodes as they are released. I'm so glad you can join me. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.